Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you guys are doing well with everything that's going on out there with the virus and uh, all the protests and things like that. Obviously a very troubling time for us, a very hard time for all of us, but um, we can keep doing our best to help each other out and hopefully we're going to get through this just fine. Uh, today's guest is somebody you all are probably very familiar with at this point, especially if you follow me. Um, his name is Dr. Lane Norton. Uh, Lane is actually a client of mine. He's a friend of mine. Uh, we met a few years back when I attended one of his seminars. He gave me some advice on where to go for grad school. I took that advice, ended up going uh, with the choice he recommended. Along the way, we became friends. He was actually an advisor on my thesis committee. Um, and you know, eventually he hired me to be his coach. And I've been his coach now for quite a few years. And we've been working our way through some of the injuries that you may well be um, familiar with if you followed him for a while. Um, and we continue to work hard on that. Uh, you know, in this episode, we talk about some of the ups and downs he's had with training, the injuries he's had, some of the funk he's gone through in recent times with his training, um, and how he's been able to contrast and all of that with the work that he has to do, the multiple businesses that he's running, the lifestyle that he has to lead. And, um, you know, it's not an easy thing to balance hard training, stressful training, and, you know, all the stress that comes along with life and all the business stuff that he has to deal with. So it was really great to have him on the podcast and just kind of let him talk about what he's going through, what's going on in his life, how he's overcome things. And he gives some really great advice for anybody out there who is trying to be a high achiever in many areas of life. So um, although we didn't get into a lot of nutrition stuff this time around, he did talk about his recent weight loss and how he's been able to, um, you know, manage that with his strength training. Um, I will have him on again, talk a little bit more about nutrition. But this time I really just wanted to talk about mindset and, you know, how he's overcoming things and obstacles in his life. So I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Uh, I know I did. And to learn from somebody who's performing at such a high level is really valuable. So I hope you like the episode and please welcome my guest, Dr. Lane Norton. All right, dude, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Lane. Uh, how's it going over there, man? Busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always. Um but I think I've, I feel like I've been sprinting for like 20 years now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but uh, I think, you know, if you sprint for a long time, you get really, really athletic and really fit and you get better <laughs> at it. So I've gotten better at feeling like I'm sprinting all the time. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I think. Mean, what's uh, going on over there? I mean, obviously we're still dealing a little bit with the aftermath of the COVID stuff. But Florida kind of opened up now. Arizona opened yeah. up now. And so, uh, I mean... This is a crazy couple of months, not only because of that, but I think you've had a lot going on business-wise and training-wise. Oh, yeah. So uh, yeah. what's been going on with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I already had a lot going on because I, you know, um, I don't really coach much anymore, but we still have a coaching business where we've got coaches that work under us and obviously uh, do nutrition and programming and that kind of stuff. Um, so that's that's that actually died down quite a bit um, during the beginning parts of covid um, and I don't know what everybody else is, you know, uh, people out there who are coaches, their experience. I found 
like the three week period where it was kind of being discussed that there was going to be lockdowns and then they instituted lockdowns. Mm-hmm. We kind of saw a really big drop off in coaching inquiries and then they kind of came back up to normal uh, by the end of it. That's so that was kind of our experience. So just a small um, dip then, not not a long dip. It was a big dip for a short oh, period big, of time. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a big dip for a short period of time. Um, I think people were just like, uh, like really, I hate using this word because I'm exhausted with it, but uncertain. <laughs> okay. um, so I, I think that like once, I think the people who kind of lost their jobs or had their situation change obviously didn't sign up. But I think the people that saw that their situation uh, was going to be okay, then they felt confident to kind of continue or get coaching depending um but we also like put on a webinar um mm-hmm. that thing ended up being way more massive than i ever thought it was going to be we had um we had to keep upgrading our zoom because of how many people we had registered but our we had uh, seven thousand people register and we had uh at one time the most people we had online viewing at one time was 1300 people which is oh, wow. pretty crazy um So that was a big part of it. And then I launched, or sorry, we uh, launched uh, Carbon Diet Coach, which is our nutrition coaching app uh, on iOS and Android. And that has been, has gone absolutely nuts. In uh, a month, we have almost 10,000 subscribers. Um, So it's, yeah, it's doing, it's doing really well. But like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, um, you know, running from one place and I'm like sending voice messages to people who have questions about stuff. And then I'm, you know, Holly and I are sitting in bed at like 11 PM just before going to sleep. We're posting in the group and, you know, answering people's questions and stuff. So we've really tried to, the, the unique challenge to that is people, I think a lot of people don't know is that Google pays you monthly. So the Android store will pay you monthly, but Apple pays every 45 days. Hmm. So we were in this weird situation where we didn't really have any money yet. And we still don't really have that much um, because of the lag time. And, but we found ourselves in a situation where we're getting, you know, tons of um, questions and user support kind of stuff, but we didn't really have the money to like hire support people. Um, mm-hmm. And so what, what happened finally, we got the first, like literally the first deposit all went to hiring support staff. Wow. <laughs> Um, so that's like, um, a lot of people were like, why didn't you do, um, you know, a free trial. And, uh, one of the things people don't realize is if we had done a free trial, it would have actually sunk our business Yeah, because we're not, um, you know, we're not a, uh, we're not a big company. Like our app looks great. It's very easy to use. If you looked at it, you'd be like, oh, this is some big business who made this, you know, cause it, I mean, a lot of people have been saying that it just absolutely destroys my fitness pal. Um, obviously just with the coaching aspect, it's got more features, but then also just the, the tracker is more user-friendly, but, um, yeah. So, but if we did that, we would have had, you know, tens of thousands of people sign up who weren't paying, who would likely have a lot of questions. And since we weren't getting any revenue, you know, we wouldn't have money to hire support staff. I mean, we would have, we would have had to take on a lot of debt in order to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, it was, it's been good, but it's been still stressful because basically Holly, myself and Keith have been um, taking care of all the, all the customer support until this uh, past week. And then we've brought on two customer support people, which will help us a, a ton. Um, so yeah, that, that's been hectic. And then I launched some, um, some like short courses uh, with some partners of mine in Australia. So we have two courses, the science of nutrition and training the physique athlete. And that was with the clean health fitness Institute over in Australia. 
And they were actually like, they were amazing. They're, they have really got their stuff together and they're actually like their goal. So that's the, the clean health. I've known the people over there for about six years. I've known the owner Dane for about six years. Um, and it started because I just, he was, uh, he sent a couple of his trainers to my, uh, some of my courses or some of my, some of my seminars in Australia. And uh, this past year they were like, Hey, would you want to come over here and, and do seminars? Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you know, we could make this more of like a class style thing because they actually have an accredited um, uh, certification for nutrition. So actually government accredited over there. What's it called? Uh, Clean Health Fitness Institute. So uh, we actually took uh, my, my kind of, I did a two day seminar called the science of nutrition and then a two day seminar called training the physique athlete. And um, we, they, we basically, they took it and digitized it. And I was completely blown away by their process. Like they basically, they, when I came over there, they had ready all this uh, content they wanted to film. And we literally like two hours before my seminars, I was filming content. And then two hours after my all day seminars, I was filming content, <laughs> but they killed it. Like they got, um, they got so much content from that, that they used for, um, you know, sales and whatnot. And then um, about a month later, they had, they had completely turned it into a script and they sent it to me. Uh, I did some editing. I read the script over the course of a week, you know, recorded the audio and then they took it and they turned it into basically like a bunch of it as like animations and whatnot. It's just really slick. So uh, people have been loving that. That's been selling really well. Um, so yeah. And, and now um, uh, myself and uh, your former advisor, Bill Campbell are actually uh, have I've kind of entered into a handshake agreement with clean health um, that we are going to bring out a large scale accredited physique coaching uh, certification. So that'll be pretty cool, but that's going to be a long way off. But I mean, you know, Bill, like Bill is so dialed in. Um, So he's, and he's been doing great with his social media too. So anyway, yeah, just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of podcasts, you know, to promote the the new stuff we got going on. And, um, but the positive thing is, as we were talking about, uh, training has still been going well. So I've, yeah. I find that um, no matter how stressful my life gets, if, if training is going well, I can handle it. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm grateful that training has been going well. Dude, it's uh, first of all, I've known you now for a little while. Obviously, we met each other back when I was at USF under Dr. Bill Campbell. You and actually met me the day after I won my first nationals. Yeah, I, yeah, two days, I met you. Two days. I, I did. I met you then. But I guess what I mean, I like, I, I really met you yeah, then because yeah. then I started to get to know you. But um, uh, you know, there was a time there where you were not in as good a shape in everything we're speaking about as you are today. So it's really awesome for me to have seen you go from kind of like your lowest point yeah, in a lot of ways to, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe your highest point now, who knows? Um, yeah. You know. I mean, the stress now is good stress, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's still stress, but I, I kind of try to keep it, um, you know, in, in perspective that, um, you know, there's a lot of people who'd be, who would be ecstatic to have this kind of stress. So <laughs> I've got to keep it all in perspective. I'm usually right. pretty good at managing that kind of stuff, but I think, you know, even people who manage stress well still have their days. You I, gotta I actually be careful, them, right? Cause if you, yeah, I had if, one of, if you say, if you start complaining too much, then they're going to, all the trolls yeah. are going to come out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously I prefer this stress over being unemployed, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's kind of like, um, 
you're right. You got to be careful. Cause you know, like, uh, there's a lot of Hollywood celebrities who got, uh, put on blast during the lockdown because they were complaining. You know, they, they went to complain about things that they thought, oh, people will understand this. And then they realized, no, they don't have normal people problems, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it's it's good stress. Um, and yeah, like you said, you I probably hired you actually when I was at the lowest point of my life with just going through the divorce and then the getting kicked out of the Avatar and, um, and then, uh, you know, uh, losing my supplement company. So, it's been a, a, a long climb kind of back, but, um, you know, things are, things are starting to click. And then obviously, you know, the injuries as well, that, that kind of, um, was a big, uh, a long journey back, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for all those experiences because I think it makes you appreciate the, the highs a little more. I mean, uh, you know, at, at nationals this past year, I, you know, I, um, I know it was a weight class up, but setting a total PR and a deadlift PR when I didn't really, you know, I didn't know if I was ever going to PR again in, in lifting. So, I mean, you remember, I was very excited after that deadlift, oh, yeah. you know, I was very excited. Yep. So I, it didn't matter that I finished 12th. Um, yeah. I was just uh, pumped to feel like, Hey, I, I can do this, you know? And uh, obviously now dropping down to, back down to 93 this year, um, that's been kind of a journey and um you know i've I've had you know i'm I'm sure we'll talk about this and maybe we can go ahead and talk about but you know training was not going well for me um you know probably probably started in late december and all the way into even like may it was not feeling good um yeah we had a a few phone calls we're just trying to figure things out trying to see your physical therapist Mm. i'm doing everything i can you're doing everything you can um yeah how did i mean you're feeling better now you were just telling me um what do you think that was that you did over those last few months that has gotten you to where you're at now feeling good again so just to put it in perspective uh for people listening you know I, i pulled 727 at nationals and probably with some left in the tank, to be honest, it was, it was a pretty smooth pull. Um, but you know, in December and, and January and February, I mean, I started having issues with pulling in the mid fives, like yeah. it was, and you know, so, and squatting too, uh, squatting was not feeling good. Bench was actually going pretty well, but squatting was not feeling good. Um, so what, what caused that? Um, I'm not sure, you know, it's probably uh, my guess is a combination of things. I think I had a high hamstring strain um, mm-hmm. that, that started and that's where things kind of started to go downhill a little bit, by the way, for those who are going to ask, yes, these are painted fingernails and that's for my daughter. So shout out to your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Live salon. <laughs> um, so I think that that kind of started things and I might've started changing my mechanics a little bit because of that. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't really that painful and I didn't really think about when I was lifting. Um, so I think there was that, I think there was a lot of celebrations over, you know, you know uh, Christmas, we traveled to Napa Valley, which involved a lot of drinking, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, not optimal for performance. Um, and then just like traveling for the holidays, having my schedule disrupted, um, not really getting in as much mobility work as I probably should have, sleep, 
stress, you know, name it. It could be a lot of different things, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think what a lot of people underestimate too is just confidence with a lift. So what happened is I, I think lifts a lot of times are a, a little bit of a snowball effect where um, because I've had lifts feel terrible different times during my career and for, for almost no reason it seemed like. Um, and I've just come to realize that that's kind of normal. Um, that's a, I think that's a relatively normal thing. Um, you just don't see a lot of lifters post about it. Yeah. Um, so no, I, you it's know, only the highlight reel on Instagram. Nobody. Yes, puts I, mean, up the I, I, I remember stuff. in, um, in late February, I got back from Australia and I, uh, went for a triple with 540 and failed my third rep. Hmm. And, you know, I probably could have, I probably could have gotten it, but it just felt so gross. I felt like I was going to have to break down my form so much that I just dumped it. Um, and even, you know, probably, I would say three, four weeks ago, I dumped 585, missed it in the gym, but I just had like a, a bad morning. Um, and so I think the things I did was, you know, really focusing. I, I had to, um, you know, tell my staff and even Holly, cause Holly will get up and she'll be already thinking about business and everything. I can't, if I'm, if I'm trying to focus, I can do Like if I'm just doing an accessory workout, fine. But if I got to do a major lift, I don't want to be thinking about business. I want to be thinking about my lifts because otherwise I just, I, I do not do both well. Um, so yeah, that, that was a big part of it to really like, okay, when you're lifting, you're lifting, you know, um, that was one making sure you're, I'm prioritizing sleep, especially with kids. Uh, parents out there will know that once you have kids, you don't really sleep past 8 a.m. Even when you, even when you don't have them, like you just, there's something that happens that you just no longer can sleep in. I have a friend who has a uh, almost two year old mm-hmm. and uh, they called me or she called me the other day and uh, she's like, Oh, what are you doing? It was already like 10. I usually eat breakfast about 10 cause I try to fast in the morning a little bit. That's just preferable for me. I work first. Uh-huh. But uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm cooking breakfast. And she's like, oh, man, I remember those days. It's like yeah. she already had breakfast like three hours ago. You know what I yeah. mean? Kids. Yeah, I mean, that's so that's the thing. It's like right now my schedule is, like, you know, I wake up. Um, usually my daughter gets me up. <laughs> uh, so not always, but um, and then in the mornings, you know, I, I guide them through their chores because they're not at the age where they're doing it on their own yet. Um and then, you know, I'm, I'm getting together breakfast. I'm doing my own chores around the house. And then our nanny shows up around nine. And by that time, I've tried to get some breakfast in so I can start training around 9.30 or 10. And then I train. And then after training's over, I go to work. Um, and then I get home, you know, five or six, um, spend a couple hours with the kids, play with them, you know, get them ready for bed, put them to bed do some more work, eat dinner with my wife. And then I'm up again, you know, like that's, that's the, that's the, that's the week, you know, uh, all weeks I don't have the kids, you know, Holly and I get a little bit more time for each other, which is good. Um, but yeah, I think, so just realizing, okay, if I want to be good at lifting, you know, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses because, you know, the top guys are, um, you know, a lot of them do have other projects, but I'm not sure anybody, Maybe I'm being a little bit a little bit of hyperbole, but I'm not sure any of the guys who are who are really at the top of the powerlifting game have as much going on as I do uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like all the businesses and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that may be just 
that that may be an arrogant statement that's not true. And there are probably some who have a lot going on. Um, but for the most part, if you want to be really good at a sport like that, you kind of focus on the sport. Right. Um, so I realized that, okay, if you want to do this, um, it probably means some other stuff is going to go to the back burner. You know, you're not going to go fishing as much as you want. You're not going to go, uh, you know, shooting as much as you want. You know, you're not going to have those other hobbies, you know, not playing fantasy football this year, you know, like that kind of stuff. So taking that extra stuff and saying, okay, if, if, if there's only really room for one hobby here and this has got to be it, you know? Um, so I still get to do some of my other hobbies just as, you know, um, I think I need that for, for mental declutterment. Um, but yeah, and then really focusing on my training sessions and my mobi- my mobility. And then also, um, what I will say is things started getting better, but it wasn't like a light switch flipped, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to fix all this stuff or whatever. And, and maybe that happens for some people, but that doesn't happen for me. No, um, it doesn't really happen yeah, with all so the people that I like, work with that are like that. I mean, your case is, is uh, not abnormal mm. and it, it does take the, the it, just, it takes momentum to build it back up. And so that's part of it. I think, you know, the confidence with lifting is really underrated. You know, when you've like going into nationals this past year, I felt very confident what I was going to be able to be capable of because one, I knew what I was hitting in training and I know how much better at a meet I am compared to training. I know there's some guys who kind of, it's kind of the flip and I know some guys are kind of, you know, we know me, I, I get a lot more out of a taper than most people do. And I, I think I must just accumulate more fatigue than most people do uh, or train with more fatigue than most people do. Um, so, you know, that made me very confident. Um, the fact that my body felt good heading in there made me very confident, you know. Um, I mean, because people don't realize like for the last, uh, how many ever meets before that, big meets before that, I didn't really feel good going in, you know. <laughs> um, so just the fact that I wasn't feeling trash the week before uh, made me very confident. Um, and so when that happens, I mean, that's what, that's what you get. You get nine for nine, you know, cause I, I'm usually pretty good about on game day going out and executing. Um, but you know, with this past year and, and whatnot, um, I think one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about and that I have talked about and I talk like the day I dumped 540 for a triple, I actually did an Instagram story talking about it because I, you know, I, now don't get me wrong. I don't want to do that. That's yeah. not something that's not like, oh, let's go talk about this. Cause you know, I mean, I'm ready to just go take my belt and chuck it into the mirror. You know what I mean? But that's when um, I usually get the text that says, I think I'm done with this sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the, the, the frustration boiling over. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, in it, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe cause it's also tough when you're, you know, I'm 38 years old. So at a certain point, there aren't going to be any more games, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I try to at least tell myself, well, look at Dave Ricks, and you know, let's, yeah. we're probably not, we're probably not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe he's an outlier. Maybe I'm not. But well, the mindset's you know, never, a big one, man. I mean, if you believe, yeah. if you believe, that's half battle or even more. Yeah. So I mean, that's and that's the thing. So I, you know, um, and part of it, you know, uh, another thing to keep in mind is I I dropped 20 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's another big one, right? Like so, um, I just even if I, I didn't feel weaker, I just didn't feel good, you know? Um, so, and uh, you know, Holly was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe you're not going to be able to be as strong at this weight class. And I was like, don't know SIBO me, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> cause it's the same thing, right? Like you, you, if you 
just because you believe something doesn't mean you can do it. But if you don't believe it or you put that in your mind, then you're definitely not going to do it. Right. So I didn't want that in my mind at all. Um, so I, you know, logically, could it be true? Sure. Could it be I've hit my peak? Sure. But my, my mentality was, okay, let's check all the boxes, do everything we can, do it for a long period of time. And if it doesn't pan out, then hey, then at least we know. Um, so slowly but surely, you know, things slowly started to feel better. The lift slowly started to feel better. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, deadlift, it was like, come on, deadlift, come on. You know, it was like squats starting to get there, but deadlift. Would... And then this past week, you know, went into the gym and was, uh, was warming up. And, you know, 545, which had been feeling pretty bad, was just moving slick. I was like, all right, so let's do 585 for a triple, which I hadn't hit in a long time. Slick. Did uh, 635 for a single that, you know, was real smooth. Then backed off and did 600 for a triple, which I hadn't done in a long time. And it's like, okay, there it is. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and I think that was honestly just a confidence thing. And I think now, you know, when you walk into the gym and you're not dreading a lift because you've had that confidence. Um, I talk about this on a lot of my lives. People say you need to have confidence. And that's, you know, whether it's lifts or business or whatever you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But you can't get confidence from nothing. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if all you've had is, you know, let's take lifting, for example. If all you've had is trash lifts for the last, you know, however long you're not going to have a lot of confidence. So how do you build that confidence? Well, one of the things I did was, okay. And I, I said to you, I, w- I actually want to squat a little more often. Yeah, I want to, you know, I, I think it may seem counterintuitive, but I, I think that that would be better for me. Um, and I really, I kind of walked it back in terms of, all right, you know what? Um, let's try not to think about how I feel. Let's just focus on getting the movement done and, and see what's there. And, you know, slowly but surely over time, uh, rather than every session being trash, uh, one out of every four sessions felt okay, you mm-hmm. know, and then it was like, all right, now about a third of them. And then it was like, okay, now half of them are getting better. And now it's finally getting to the point where it's like, and not always, like, I'm sure I'm still going to have some days where I go in and feel gross, especially, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised. I don't want to nocebo myself, but I wouldn't be surprised after, you know, having such a good week last week that this week was a little bit off because mm-hmm. that, that tends to happen, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where, um, it, you build that momentum slowly. I, I use the comparison of like a strong man who's, you know, doing the, the plane pull or a mm-hmm. semi pull or something. Right. So when they first get going, they're almost barely perceptibly moving right? They're mm-hmm. barely perceptibly moving, but they're applying a lot of force, right? Mm-hmm. They're applying a lot of force. They're just trying to get over that inertia. That's the same thing that you're doing when it comes to lifting or big goals or whatever it is. Like that first part is what's most important, but it's also where you're getting the least positive feedback. Right. And then what happens? You get a little more rope and then you get a little more rope and then you get a little more and pretty, you know, over time now you're running, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where it's just like things now things are popping, right? Um, so I think that's an important thing for people to keep in mind. And specifically when it comes to powerlifting or lifting sports, um, just kind of get over the fact of, um, you know, once you get relatively advanced in this, PRs aren't going to come that often. You know, it's not, you know, with exceptions of some of the Instagram lifters who you see PR all the time, you know, Mm. um, that's pretty tough. And like, one of the mental shifts I've had to make from how I used to train to how I train now is 
not caring so much about PRing during training. Yeah, you told like, me that, and I think that was a really important thing for you to get in your head um, because you're so used to performing at a high level all the time that um, you were getting in your way a little bit when it came to how how hard you trained in the gym. And it's like a double-edged sword. You are great at what you do and you are a great lifter because of that work ethic and because of that effort that you can give. But now it almost will work against you because you want the tendency is always to want to hit higher numbers. But you've made some really smart decisions in your training that you've told me about where you're just like, hey, you know what? Could I have done an extra two or three reps? Yeah, but uh, that's not worth the juice isn't worth the squeeze right now because I would rather save that for another time. I'd rather save that for the platform, quite frankly. Yeah. Another thing that you don't realize is like, especially if you're talking about like doing a little bit higher rep sets, you know, like just pumping it up a little bit more um, just to feel like you hit a PR or something like that. I mean, that takes a lot out of you, you know? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I can specifically remember, uh, in 2015 getting ready for worlds. Um, I kind of dealt with a back injury, big surprise. Um, <laughs> and I, didn't, I couldn't really squat. Um, I couldn't really squat regularly until about four weeks out. Um, maybe, maybe it might've been five weeks out, but I remember the first session back, uh, the first week we did kind of like a mini test with 500 pounds just to see how many reps I could get with it. And I got 10, um, which was great because it was like, all right, that's, I mean, that's you know close to being there, you know? Yep. Um, and then the next week I put five, 10 on and got eight reps. And I just remembered the mental mind fuck of that. Now looking back, I'm like, what are you so worried about? Like you, <laughs> you hadn't been, your, your fitness wasn't there and you, you hit this big, you know, massive, um, you know, 500 for 10. I mean, that's a lot of weight for a lot of reps. So of course you weren't going to do as good the next week. You know what I mean? Like, of course. Um, but yeah, that was, that was something that, um, you know, um, now looking back, it's like, okay, well now I understand why that happened. But at the time it's like, damn, why, why, why isn't this moving the way I want it to move? Um, and then, uh, just getting more, one more point about confidence. Um, one move that I thought my old coach Ben made that I thought was actually pretty brilliant that you probably wouldn't draw it up on the playbook that way. But a week out, he said, uh, we're going to go heavy for a single today. We're going to go like RPE nine and a half. Like we're going to go, um, you know, a little bit over a second attempt. And um, he later told me, he's like, cause I could just tell you needed that confidence boost. Like you needed to see that you could hit a heavy weight that you hadn't hit in a while, especially after that back injury, uh, and hit it in the gym. Hmm. So we, you know, we did, um, we did a kind of a mock meet, but just two lifts instead of three. And, uh, I hit 640 on squat, uh, in the gym a week out from, uh, worlds. And as soon as I hit that squat, I remember thinking, I'm going to squat the world record, you know, like, um, but that was, that was that, that confidence built up. And I think a lot of people really underappreciate that uh, when it comes to powerlifting, it is, there is a lot of mental game that goes into it. I cannot tell you how many really good lifters I've seen who have not executed the platform because they were in their own heads. It's, it's a big part of it. 
It's definitely a big part of it. You see it in every sport. In the fight game, especially like this is right now is all we get to watch is UFC. Yeah. It's a big difference. You talk about guys, they talk about guys, I listen to Rogan's podcast all the time. He's talking to MMA guys and they talk about these guys who are um, killers in the gym. Absolute yeah. killers that nobody ever wants to go up against them in the gym. But then when they get into the octagon, now there's a lot of factors there, right? They got a weight cut. They got, you know, all kinds of things, but there's something about being in there under the pressure that changes the way people operate and uh, same thing is true in powerlifting yeah and i mean i'll I'll talk about this because i think bryce has talked about this years ago um so when i so the first nationals i did and then the first arnold i did uh bryce lewis was one of my competitors in 93 and bryce i i you know i I beat him both times and bryce was absolutely stronger than me at those times like But, um, you know, Bryce had, he, he saw a sports psychologist afterwards, actually. And I'm not saying like I was like some super intimidator or anything like that, but I think Bryce had difficulty translating what he was doing in the gym over to, um, you know, on the platform. Now, obviously he's rectified that because yeah. he is an absolute destroyer in the 105 class. Absolutely. So obviously like one thing going up weight class was good for him. Hiring Matt Gary was good for him um, because obviously, you know, once I think that's another big thing is having a coach you trust with their attempt selection. Yeah. So, you know, when it came to Ben and also with you, I know that there's not going to be a weight called to put on the bar that I can't physically do. Like I, I know that I know that it's just a matter of if I execute it, I will get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big thing. So I think that was probably big for him is having Matt Gary in his corner as well. And knowing that Matt's not going to put a weight on the bar that, he can't do. Whereas when you're calling your own weights, you know, you get in your own head and like, well, I don't know if I can really do that, you know, but if it's, if it's somebody else calling it, you know, and especially like, you know, Ben was so deadpan and so like almost insensitive with, you know, Oh, you just don't got it today. You know, <laughs> like that, that yeah. sort of thing, you know, um, that it was good because like, uh, again, the day of uh, the world championships, I hit my last warm up and he looked at me and he goes, you're going to squat the world record today. So I just hear that. I'm like, yep, I'm going to do it today. You know? (laughs) So, um, that's a, that's, so having a a coach in your corner is a big thing. Uh, but then also like, like you said, the weight cut, you know, people with a two hour weigh in, it is a whole different ball game. That is, you know, and you know, UFC is 24 hours, right? So and most uh, powerlifting organizations are 24 hours. And I have seen guys coming to USAPL from other organizations who were, you know, pretty good lifters and they were not ready for that. Right. You know, and it, it really hurt their, their lifts. Um, and then I think, you know, that's a big thing. And then mental preparation. So um, I, I've seen Bryce post about this, you know, giving him some props, you know, he has a sheet that he actually has printed off that he, when he needs it, he reads it. And it says something like, you are a 700 something pound squatter. You mm-hmm. are this, you are that you are mentally tough. You are, you know, that is, so I've never had a sheet like that. I will tell myself those things. And some people will think I'm like, you know, nuts or arrogant or whatever, but I tell myself these things. Um, and actually there's a recent study that says, um, that says if you do it as, instead of talking as I, if you talk as you, like you talk as a third person to yourself, right. it actually works better. It's kind of um, like when a coach tells you you can do it. It's, it's not right. you telling yourself you can do it. It's, a, it's another person 
which might be a little bit of validation, but that's how I've, all, I've always done it. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. do, you can do this. You know, you, you can, you can do this. So um, I think that sort of self-talk is very important and mental preparation. And, you know, so I think that's been the biggest uh, difference in Bryce's career. He actually asked me after the Arnold, um, you know, what, you know, what, if I had any advice for him, and I, you know, I, I don't know if it made a difference or not, but one of the things I said was, well, try to make the competition experience match your training experience. Right. So a lot of people, you know, criticize the fact that I get really amped up in training, mm-hmm. but I don't look at that as a disadvantage because that, you know, people say, well, that will fatigue you this and that. Well, maybe, but I mean, you've seen me, I, that is a practice skill. I can go from talking to you to ready to crush everything in my way in about 45 seconds. You know what I mean? Like that is a skill. And if you don't practice that skill, it's not just going to suddenly be there. And one of the things he told me was, uh, I asked him, I'm like, do you usually like in the gym, do you have a lot of nerves when you train? He said, no. I said, well, do you have nerves on the, on the platform? He said, yes. Mm -hmm. I said, well, maybe try training with a little more nerves in the gym. Like try to make Mm -hmm. yourself nervous, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just heard, um, going back to the fight game, Henry Cejudo, who's the, uh, former, I guess now he's retired, but, uh, featherweight and bantamweight champion in the UFC, also Olympic gold medalist was just talking on, on a podcast about this very thing. And basically what he said is not every time, but quite often in his fight camps, he would simulate this, the, the environment of fight day. So he would get wrapped up in the same way. He would do his yeah. walkouts. He would do his warm ups. He would get himself amped up and to go in for a sparring match because when it, when it did come down to fight day, that was second nature for him. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I don't like to train an empty gym. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to have people watching. I like to have some pressure on me. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I mean, you you know, if you're getting all amped up and fired up and then you go out, you don't get a weight. I mean, you're going to look pretty stupid, you know? Dumb, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's that again, people will say, well, you know, that's kind of weird or awkward or whatever, but you know, I just look at it as that, that is, that's closer to the competition. You know, I don't squat into a mirror for that reason. I'm not going to get a mirror on meet day. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I pause my bench every single time because I'm, I'm going to have to pause it in the competition. Yeah. Um, you know, even right down to just to give you an idea when it came to IPF worlds and what I've done since then. So when I went to IPF worlds, uh, first thing was I got there six days before I was going to compete. So I wanted to have all the time in the world, um, to make sure that, you know, my sleep schedule got right. Um, you know, any fatigue from the travel got right. Any stress got right. You know, you had people flying in, you know, two days before they're going to lift or a day before they're going to lift. And it's kind of like, what are you doing? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and then uh, also, you know, I took my own scale. I've been weighing on my weight was on point, but I took my own scale. First thing I did after I landed, got checked in at the hotel was I weighed in on my scale. And then I immediately went to the venue and weighed in on their scale. Mm-hmm. Cause I wanted to see what the difference was. Right. Cause yeah. I'm not going to travel 6,000 miles to miss weight. Hell no. Um, and then the, so then I, I, we went to the grocery store, we got everything, you know, um, bought every, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and now I've got a few days to settle in. Right. Um, so the next day I went to the meet, I think, so I got there on a Tuesday. I went on a Wednesday. I was competing on Friday. I no Saturday. So I went there Wednesday, went to the meet, watched a lot of it. 
just to get the lay of the land, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we went to a little bit on Thursday, but what I did was first off, I went to the, you need like worlds is no joke. Like you need a badge for everything. So I made sure all my family and friends who were coming had badges and actually they, uh, there was a mishap with that. Hmm. And I, I sort no big deal. I sorted it out, but imagine if like I just rolled up the day of and they didn't have badges and now sure. my friends are asking me, Hey, where do I get my badge? And like, I'm trying to focus on getting ready. And all of a sudden I got to deal with this. You know, I identified where the bathrooms were. I identified where the weigh-in was. I picked out where I wanted to warm up. And then in between flights, I went out to the actual platforms and said, okay, where am I going to look when I squat? Hmm. Where am I going to look when I deadlift? What am I going to look at when I bench press? I wanted to already be able to start visualizing what I was going to do before I did it. So, and then um, after that, I did not set foot inside the venue, didn't touch it, didn't go the day before, nothing like that, you know. Um, but yeah, that was just the level of detail I was willing to go to to make sure that I performed to my best because if I'm going to put all that energy and effort into, you know, doing this, and thank goodness I did because you are people. Uh, <laughs> You, Could you try again? That's weird. Sorry. Siri's you, trying to get in on the conversation. Yeah. You're, you're, one second. Take the time you need. These are all really good uh, things to be thinking about because Sorry I, about that. I, it's all right. I was just saying, these are all really good things to be talking about all the way, going back all the way to what you started this conversation with, with yeah. things that have gotten you better over the last few months. And even just this conversation, there's so many aspects and details that go into performing at a high level, even yeah. just these little things that you're talking about to getting better performance. Even if, even, even if for anybody's listening, who is just, uh, who's not a competitive power lifter. Maybe you're just somebody who really enjoys lifting and you're going through a period of time where things aren't feeling right. What, what you were saying earlier, Lane, about how things didn't turn around from one second to the next. It took, you know, it took time for things to fall into place and it took all of these little habits that you're doing consistently in order to get to these places. But uh, continue with what you were saying about, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's just little things, right? Um, but, you know, let's take, uh, I was going to say, you know, you're never guaranteed to go back to another world championship. Right. So thank goodness I did do all that work. Right. But I mean, let's just look at like um, a total for the 93 kilo class that's, you know, winning versus uh, somebody who's, you know, out of the top five. And you look at like, I mean, we're probably talking about 17, you know, 60, what am I, 1900. I mean, it's only like a seven percent difference hmm. in weight lifted if you try to find a seven percent difference in human studies on some of this stuff you will never see it yeah right i'm not saying to throw studies out um studies are great but um you're never going to like you're never going to get a scientific study that's going to tell you that these little pieces and these little details make a difference right but right, right. i think that they do um especially, you know, may depend on the individual's own psychology too, right? Some people, maybe they do better not knowing what the venue looks like and not having a chance to get themselves all riled up and, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe they need that. But for me, like, like, uh, uh, so difference between me and Bryce. So this is, um, I saw something on his Instagram. He will have, um, his girlfriend, uh, put weights on and not tell him what they are and then put trash bags over them. Right. Oh, wow. And he does well with that. Interesting. Technique. I would do terribly with that. I want to know what I'm lifting. I want to know what I'm lifting. Um, 
So maybe that's, you know, just a difference in psychology. So maybe, you know, the stuff that, and that's, I think one of the things about being a good coach is identifying those differences in psychology and not treating everybody the same, right? Not using the same tools on everybody because, um, and this, even with nutrition, I, I've come to find that I think personal preference is, and psychological makeup is probably more important than any physiological differences between athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, people, I, tell, I tell people this all the time, actually. My, the subject I hated uh, studying most when I was an undergrad was the psych, sports psychology and mm-hmm. all that stuff. <laughs> and now it's like more of what I do than even the X's and O's of being a strength coach or a nutrition coach sometimes. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, we know what to do with nutrition and, and yeah, it's second for the nature. Most, we know 95% of it. Like it, it's not difficult. Progressive overload, uh, yeah. time, consistency, you know, yeah. it's, it's not sexy. Um, same thing with nutrition. People want to make, you know, they find a diet that they physiologically prefer or sorry, sorry, psychologically prefer. And then they usually what happens is they attempt to do mental gymnastics as to why that's the best thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the fact of the matter is it probably was the best thing for them based on their makeup and mm-hmm. what they prefer. Um, but it's the same thing in strength training, right? Like people will argue about, you know, different programming methodology and all that kind of stuff. And the fact is we've seen every single way you can imagine produce uh, championship level results, right? Yeah. So we can't look to that as a, as a, uh, kind of a determinant of what is the best way of training because there probably is no best way of training, right? right. It yeah. really depends on the individual. And I think part of it, like, don't get me wrong. Um, you're not always going to enjoy your training. I don't always enjoy my training. And in fact, I get people saying, how are you always so motivated? I'm like, I'm not motivated all the time. That's I'm a big not, misnomer. Just, That's a big yeah, misnomer. I just, I just don't give a shit about it. That's mm-hmm. the difference. Like motivation for me is like, um, nitrous oxide on a car, right? <laughs> like if I'm feeling motivated and feeling good, great. I'll take it and I'll, you know, I'll have an awesome day in the gym. But if I'm not, doesn't change the fact I still got to go in and do the work. So, yeah. you know, just uh, what I tell people out there is like, stop waiting on motivation. Like it's, it's all about what the question is, do you have a goal? Do you really want that goal? Then motivation doesn't even need to be part of the equation. You just do it. You know, that's, that's a thing that I kind of, um, I qualify that with my clients that come in is like right away. I let them know that there's going to be times that I give you things to do that you're not going to want to do. And, uh, it, uh, that's not what training is about. Training isn't about always doing what you want to do. If that were the case, you don't need me. Just write the program that you like to do all the time. But if you right. want to get the results, that's a different story. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we do this with, um, we've had this in the carbon diet coach group because one of the great things about the app is it's very customizable, but you're skirting the line between if you, so people have, I don't want to go too far into like what we're doing, but essentially a couple of people have said, or a few people have said, you know, why doesn't the app do this, this and that? And I I would tell them, I'm like, well, because then you're basically telling the app what to do instead of having the app coach you. Yeah. So, um, you know, the problem is if you give unlimited flexibility, Yes, it's extremely modifiable, customizable, great. But if you have unlimited flexibility without structure, it's no longer coaching, right? Yeah. By the same token, if you have too much rigidity, uh, you can create just as many problems with that as well, right? Because, uh, you know, as, as we know, 
um, flexible models of periodization have been shown to be superior or at least as good, probably superior to fixed models of periodization. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it makes sense. Like if you go in and you're just feeling absolute crap one day, why would you try to get your hardest session in? Like just do something different, you know, Yeah. or even, you know, I think I've, I've told you many times, Hey, you know, this was feeling trash. So I modified it to a tempo squat or I did a, you know, um, you know, something that would just allow me to get the movement in, but not feel like absolute garbage, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's really undervalued. And I think that's one thing that, you know, with my old training, I would do a bit, it was basically percentage based. Mm-hmm. And I think the plus side to percentage based training is there's so much structure that you have confidence that if you do what's on there, you are going to get very strong. The downside is, it's so structured. <laughs> so if you go in and you're just feeling really trash, you may try to power yourself through a training session. And, and Ben would say this too. Like I would tell him afterwards how I felt and he goes, well, you should just back the weight off. And I'm like, I know, but this was on the sheet, you know? Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, I and I can't, uh, for anybody listening, Ben Escrow is an excellent coach. I am not trying to oh, take anything away from Excellent him. coach. Yes. Uh, produced numerous world champions. So obviously knows what he's doing. Um, and uh, I think he, my, my guess is his programming has probably changed, uh, to accommodate some of that stuff as well, because I'm sure, sure he's evolved as a coach as well. Um, and, and so that's one of the things that you've really got to keep in mind is there's so many parallels between nutrition and training. And one of the best things I ever heard was from, uh, Corey Probst. And she said that what she believes in is structured flexibility. And I think that that is such a huge component of success with anything. If you give some people and everybody's like line is going to be different, whether or not they favor a little more structure or a little more flexibility. Um, so I, I think that one, that's a, uh, kind of a personal preference issue and knowing yourself. So people like, uh, my wife tends to have that more type a like perfectionist, uh, sort of mentality. So she prefers a lot more structure to things mm-hmm. that she does. Whereas I think I'm a little bit more on the flexibility end of stuff, Hmm. but it's, it's, it's very individual, but I think that that's, you know, as a coach, it's really important to understand that, Hey, everything is tools in the tool belt and it doesn't have to be, you know, this versus that everything has a place. Yeah. I wanted to touch a little bit on without taking too much of your time today, um, your mindset you know, we talked a little bit about how much you have going on with your businesses and, and everything like that. You still find a way to ha- uh, perform well in the gym and all of that kind of stuff. So what is your mindset? I mean, you touched on how motivation isn't necessarily something you rely upon. It's it's probably something more to do with discipline and consistency and things like that. What's your mindset? Explain to people a little bit more because, you know, people see you on YouTube and you're this uh not no disrespect you're a, you're a boisterous guy or you're you've got a persona on YouTube and yeah. I know I know that that's not always you behind the scenes right no, yeah. you can't be that way all the time because no. otherwise <laughs> I don't think anybody could stand to be around you your wife probably would <laughs> would probably hate you but um no disrespect I'm just saying it's uh it's a persona right so what but you know you've got so much going on man what what how do you how do you get yourself up in the morning and, and get charged to do it? Is, is there something inside you that's just 
like driving you from a perspective of helping people? Is it driving you from a perspective of accomplishing things? Is it, what, what is it in there? So again, um, when it comes to what I do for work and my, my job, uh, I see myself as kind of a science communicator at a, at a, if I had to boil it down to like a, a basal level, a reductionist kind of sort of thing. Um, there are days where I'm like, fuck this industry. Uh, I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of all the crap in it. I'm tired of people, you know, being, you know, tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about, all this kind of stuff. And um, so I'm not going to pretend that I'm always up for it, but I kind of use the same mindset as lifting, which is um, I do love this stuff. I, I still am passionate about this stuff over after 20 years, I still get excited when a new, you know, nutrition study comes out that um, shows something different. Um, you know, so I know that this is what I'm passionate about, you know, that, that didn't change. Um, but it's like when you, it's like when you meet somebody and you fall in love, right? So you have that first initial puppy love stage where you're just obsessed with the person and they can do no wrong. Right. And then five years into it, you're like, God, this motherfucker's getting on my fucking nerves. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so you still love them. You still love them, but it's like, oh man, you know, um, but you don't want to make decisions about that relationship just based on how you feel in the short term. Right. right. Because, um, you know, obviously like you know, people can grow apart. Like I've been divorced. So obviously I've been down that road. Right. And that can be a hard thing deciding, okay, when, when, like what I tell people is, like, how do you know if you're not passionate about something anymore? And I think it's kind of one of those things that if you, if you are consistently over a long period of time feeling really negative about it, then that's probably, a, you know, a, a, an indicator. But for me, you know, I'm still really fired up about this stuff. I, st I love doing content. You know, I love posting stuff. My, my, my most rewarding uh, times in my life have been when I worked really hard to produce something that people felt like was an unbelievable value and felt it was very helpful. So like when I put out my books or carbon app, you know, that, that has been the feedback, getting that feedback to say people to say things like this changed my life, or I had never thought about this this way, or this was the best $50 I ever spent or the best $10 I ever spent or whatever it was. That is such an amazing feeling to me that that's what I take with me and I draw on when things uh, are not good, right? Uh, because things sometimes are not good. Um, but yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't make decisions, you know, if I'm passionate about something. And people ask me the same thing about lifting. They're like, man, you know, what do you, what do you have left to prove? Why are you still trying to do this? You're 38, you know, you got all this other stuff going on. Why, why do you keep trying to do this? And um, because I still have a passion for it. I still have a burning desire to get on the platform and perform. I mean, you saw it last year at nationals. I wasn't fake. You know, I was, I was in the warm up room. Like I hit my last squat and I heard somebody, I think somebody complained like, like, so man, why are they going to do this so early in the morning? And I'm like, baby, this is nationals. If you can't get up for this, what are you doing? You know, yeah. <laughs> because I'm just so, I'm not mad, but I'm just like fired up. I'm like, this is, this is I didn't sleep last night. I, the night before nationals, I did not sleep because I was so excited, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, so like, yeah, I go through phases where like I send you a text message saying, oh, I think I'm done with this. Eh, that's just me venting, you know? Yeah. 
I know that by now. The first time I got that yeah. text, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that's, that's so, again, this is where coaches need coaches sometimes. So sometimes yeah. what I need is just somebody tell me, it's just a bad day. It's just a bad week. We'll get through it. We'll get past yeah. it. That sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, that's what I would tell the people. So if you're, if you're, when is, you know, if you're passionate about it and you still love it, don't give up on it just cause it gets hard. You know what I mean? And same thing, you know, with, 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 uh, with business or your, your love life, whatever. Um, but if you find yourself and you're consistently not passionate about something anymore over a long period of time, well, there's no need to, you know, continue to beat your head against the wall. Maybe you've just outgrown whatever it is that's there. Right. Like, so if I, if I came to a time where it was like, I didn't have that burning desire to get on the platform. If I was just doing it because I felt like I needed to do it because it was kind of my identity or, um, I just was disliking my training consistently, then maybe it'd be time to hang it up. Mm. You know what I mean? But like, that's not the case. Cause when I hit a big lift in the gym, I'm still just as fired up. It feels just as good. Uh, I'm on cloud nine for the rest of the day, you know? So yeah, that's, I guess what I would say to people is try not to let how you feel in the short term dictate what you're going to do in the long term, right? Get a large data set, right? So if you consistently feel a certain way, then maybe it's time to make a decision, um, whether it's training or business or whatever. But yeah, I, um, you know, I look at this as there's been a lot of people come and go in this industry. I've been here for 20 years. Um, so I, I always, I always tell people when they come in and make a big splash or whatever, you know, or they, they ask me for advice. I'm like, this is a marathon. I've seen a lot of people come in who were going to set the world on fire. And all of a sudden, two years later, they're out because this industry will chew you up and spit you out. Um, so yeah, I, I, I know how to sprint and I also know how to run a marathon, I guess was what I, what I would say. Do you think you'll know when enough is enough for you as far as what you accomplish? And I don't know if you have an idea of what you want to accomplish before you're done or what you want to, you know, work. Business, business or lifting? Business. Business. Well, I mean, everything. I mean, I, I'm sure you, everybody wants to leave a legacy about something, right? So I'm not sure if for you, if, if there is a point where you feel like, I'll know when my stopping point is. I know, I'll know that I can rest easy now and enjoy my life and, um, you know, I've built what I wanted to build and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's the key is I... I can, I can still enjoy my life, not resting easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think everybody has this idea that you, I don't know if I'm ever going to be the kind of guy who's like, okay, I built all these things. They're making a bunch of money. Now I'm just going to sit back on an Island and pop a few Coronas and enjoy myself. You know, um, Dave Ramsey has a saying, he says, if you eat enough lobster, it tastes like soap, you know? <laughs> so I think that one of the, the core principles that my life is, is, is hard work. I believe in the work. Um, but I also, you know, I don't want to be a Steve jobs where I get to the end of my life and I've built all these things. And then the people closest to me can't stand me. You know what I mean? Um, so will I know? Um, I don't know. I think that's a hard thing to, you know, it's like, and even when it comes to powerlessing, like you walk away too early. People say you walked away too early. You walk away too late and people criticize you for walking away too late. I, I think you got to do what you believe you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, look at, 
you know, fighters have the same thing, you know, where it's like, what is it that you, you rarely see somebody step away and retire and people go, you know, he retired at exactly the right time. Right. You know, it's, it's like, it's always, what's he doing? He's still got the best years in front of, him. or it's, you know, somebody's like, well, he's, he's punch drunk, you know, he should have retired five years ago, this and that, you know, it's, um, Michael Jordan it, retired twice and both times I said he was too young or he still had more left in him. Yeah. Well, and I guess he, he retired three back. times. The third time and, was probably, yeah, like, that was really, yeah, bad. exactly. Now, but that, so, the third time, then they said, man, you should have never come back. Right. Exactly. So I think at the end of the day, you got to do, got to do what you think is right for you. Yeah. Um, I know for me, I have a few, we have a kind of a five year plan in business of things we want to build. And then my, my goal is to build, build a few different things that basically I can just produce content to support those. Right. And not just, not just promote them all the time, but produce content that's relevant to those things that will help sell them, but also educate people and help people. Um, and that would be my goal. I would, I would like to be able to just focus on content and not, um, you know, not, not some of the other stuff, not the, not the building stuff. So I think once I get there, that will kind of be my, uh, my checkpoint, but then I'm sure I'll find something else to build as well. So there you go. It sounds to me that, you know, uh, people might have an idea, you know, Lane, Lane likes to battle zealots on YouTube and he likes to argue with people on Twitter sometimes or debate people on Twitter, we'll say. And yeah. Lane, Lane, um, you know, Lane doesn't stand for bullshit, I guess, when it comes to the fitness industry. That's a hundred percent. But it sounds to me with all that you're saying is like, if you wanted to leave your hallmark on this industry, it just sounds like you want to have left helping as many people as possible. So like at your core, it sounds like you just really want to help people. Yeah. I mean, and, and even like when I call people out or I, you know, get debates or whatever, that is actually coming from a place of love as weird as it might sound. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have, I guess one of the He's things trying to beat I just, the stupid out of them. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I think one of the things I have a, a problem with is, um, and to be clear, when I'm debating with somebody, I don't actually think I'm going to change their opinion. I'm, I'm just trying yeah. to plant that seed of doubt in somebody because usually what I'm calling out, you know, I, I, I try to not just call it the average person who's saying something dumb because we've all been dumb before. I'm looking at people who kind of have a platform, who are making money, you know, by, and they spread misinformation. That's, that's really the people I try to get my crosshairs. Um, because I just, you know, one of the things I pride myself on is I can honestly say, honestly, I have never fibbed or distorted data or anything like that or misrepresented or cherry picked just to make a dollar. I've never done that. Um, and so it really angers me when people use the cloak of science, but it's actually pseudoscience to try and make money from people, or should I say extract money out of people. Um, and so that's, that's something I just, I have a really low tolerance for and, and, and kind of what I go after. Um, so that, that's coming from a place of love. I, I consider myself a consumer advocate. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so that's coming from a place of love, even though sometimes it probably doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Well, check it out, man. Um, I know you got a, another place to be. I think you have another uh, interview or something like that. So we're going to cut it here. Uh, but 
I had a lot of questions I still wanted to talk to you about. Obviously, you're a nutrition guy, and we didn't even barely talk about nutrition. So <laughs> I'll have you on the podcast again another time, hopefully. Uh, but okay, thank cool. you. Thank you very much for being on. And I know your time is precious. So thanks a lot, man. No worries. Thanks, Anders. Um, check check Lane out on Instagram. Most of you, I didn't even introduce him because most of you already know who he is anyways, but you can check him out on Instagram. He's got a lot of great products, a lot of great stuff out there, and he's a good friend of mine. So check him out. Peace, everybody. Thanks, dude. Yeah, you too, man. <laughs>